0: Golden Moment Podcast, my type of dandy, Jacoby Gordon,
1: Connor Vanover, Andre Kelly, oh my god, it's fantastic! Uh Dick, they're 0-6. What? They're they're 0-6 in conference. Connor Vanover only played three minutes against Washington. They're they're not diaper dandies, like at all. They're terrible. Uh well.
0: You know what? Forget it. Uh,
1: let's go talk about Duke again! Welcome to the One Golden Moment Podcast! MJ, hit that beat! What?
0: Welcome to episode number seven of the One Golden Moment Podcast. This is Justice Del Santos, as always, with Rory O'Toole. Rory O'Toole. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. School's starting up, so you know. Yeah, this is our last podcast before school starts, and uh, I'm gonna just I'm I'm gonna keep it a, a dub. I don't want to go back to school. No. <laughs> we got that pregame jitter feeling. Not even, Hopefully, we'll shake it out. It's not even a pregame jitter feeling at this point. It's it's like I've kind of been here before, and I don't want to
1: be here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that sort, sort of that Eric Bledsoe. Well, it's my last semester. Yeah. So I'm on the home stretch here. You you got a few more. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, usually
0: we're the ones that are asking the question in the post game, but I'm going I'm to shift that question over to you. How are you feeling about this being your last
1: semester? I'm feeling good, man. I'm just trying to make it count, you know, get some wins, unlike Cal. I need some W's this semester. I don't know if Cal is going to get some W's, but I am going to try as hard as I can, which I don't know if we can say that about the Cal defense, to be honest, right now. What goals we got for the upcoming semester? Are we gonna we going to aim for the 4.0? A 4.0 in life. Whatever that means, <laughs> I, was, I was just about to elaborate. Yeah. What, is, <laughs> what does that mean? I'll keep that. You know, the listeners they can uh, make their assumptions. It's a, it's a very it's a a Bill Waltonism. Oh yeah, also great call on that dunk. Oh yeah, that was a that was a great. What did he call it? Call? Like, like he's
0: he said something equivalent to "I was there when I saw one of the greatest dunks." Yeah, even, he hyped I, it up big time. Not yeah. Arizona State history. Not college basketball history, just basketball history. History of the universe. History of the entire... Since James Naismith put up a peach basket,
1: Mm -hmm. greatest dunks in history. Allegedly. (laughs) I've never got confirmation on that. Allegedly. Do your research, guys. Listen to Kyrie. (laughs) Do your own research.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we got Cal basketball to talk about. Uh, We are contractually obligated on the basis of us doing this podcast. Uh, to talk about Cal basketball. Mm-hmm. And you know, as always we like to start these podcast podcasts off with a little recap of you know, yet another week in Cal basketball. It wasn't the greatest week in the world. Nope. There's been a lot of down points in this season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of low moments. That's that's a way to put it. But I think we're both in agreement that this was probably the worst. Just from a an expectation standpoint, from an execution standpoint, the worst two-game
1: stretch of the Pac-12 for sure, and easily the worst of the, the entire season. This has got to be one of the lowest moments in the program's history, I imagine. Um, I mean, the expectation is going to be any lower going into the uh, game against Washington State, and we somehow lose by 23 points. So the not- Washington State team I hadn't won a conference game yet. So let's talk about
0: that Washington State game for let's, let's sort of let's recap this, mm-hmm. this upcoming week before we start getting into the sort of the the intricacies of oh, yeah. of this week. So the Washington State Cal game, this was, you know, you have the on one end of the the Pac-12 spectrum, you have, you know, maybe like an Oregon State going against an Oregon, you know, these tier A games. Uh, this was this was two quadrant 4 teams going against one another. Both teams entered this game without a single conference win. Objectively, the two worst teams in the Pac-12.
1: And, you know, so... Not even objectively. Like, literally. They were they were the two worst teams. This was like in the English Premier League when you have the teams trying to avoid relegation. And they're just trying to grab those points to stay in the first division. Uh, Cal did not grab those points. We certainly did not. So, yeah. you know, you have these two teams.
0: They're both in the, in the same tax bracket, so to say. <laughs> Good and way uh, it. it didn't go as, as expected. I, I expected this one to at least be competitive. Washington State defeats Cal 82-59. They give Cal their largest margin of defeat of the season, 23 points. That's worse than the Fresno State game. Robert oh Franks, God. Washington State star player, who had been out the previous four games with an injury decided to make his return in um, when Cal came to town. You can look into. You might want to look into that as you may. You know, maybe this was planned yeah. that he would come back against Cal and not a, another opponent. <laughs> but in short, you know, it was a competitive for say, the first 20 minutes for that first half, and then Washington stages. For, off. for lack of a better term, they smacked Cal. They, they punched Cal right in the face. Oh yeah. They did to Cal what Manny Pacquiao did to Brown Yesterday, the Cougars shot a season high fifty three point six percent from the field. Uh, mm-hmm. The ailments of Cal's defense have been noted, but I think that's a definitely one of the lower points of their, their defensive season. Again, guys, this is Washington State. We cannot stress that enough. You know, Washington State had five players five players in double figures. An interesting stat that I found, six players with at least two assists, really sharing the ball. 17 mm. assists to 10 turnovers. They shot 58.3% from two. Now I know that sounds like a very random statistic to bring up. But what that stat means is that it broke a streak of four games in which Cal allowed its opponents USC, UCLA I don't... I'm, completely skipping on the other two. I, this is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Oh, I, was just, I was just looking at the teams that Cal just played. <laughs> oh, Arizona and Arizona yeah. State. I don't know. That was weird. When I looked at the, when I was thinking, I thought of those two teams.
1: Like I said. And you know, as getting, I went to. We're getting in the mode of starting the year again. As I went to say those two teams. I
0: was thinking, did they really play those two teams? But yes, Arizona and Arizona State. Yeah. yeah. That was a stream of a streak of four games in which Cal allowed its opponents to shoot sixty percent from two. Woo! Not even just from the field, from two Six point eight. range. In his return from injury, Robert Franks picked up right where he left off with twenty-four points, eight rebounds, and two assists. Freshman sensation C.J. Elby had a quiet but productive night: eleven points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and one block. The potential freshman of the year, only a three-star coming out of high school. Wow, you know, I believe I don't have his listed height, but I believe it's six seven, six eight, six nine, something in that range. I believe his his hair alone adds about two inches, so I, I wonder if they consider that it adds, uh, come the NBA big combine. Hair. That is some big hair. Uh, a on, on the flip side of that, it was not a fun night for Cal, as we have previously said. Uh, the Bears shot thirty nine point three percent from the field, turned it over fourteen times, and only had two players in double figures. Those two players would be Justice Suing with fifteen points and Matt Bradley. With 14 points, moving on to the Washington game, that was a 71-52 loss. It was the expected outcome. Like if, in all real reality, this was sort of the expected outcome. But
1: the way that it happened was first half was close. It was very strange. You first know, half, 29-28 going into the locker room. You know, for about the first
0: 15 minutes of that ball game, Washington couldn't hit a bucket to save their life. No, it was it was as if someone had placed all their hands in dry ice and then yeah. said, you know how we're going to warm your hands up? We're going to put it in the Seattle rain. That was about how, how hot Washington was from the field. And that cold shooting allowed Cal to be up for most of the first half and even at one point have a 10-point lead. I believe at one point it was 15-5. Yeah, to five. Yeah. But in the last five minutes of the first half, Washington outscores Cal 17-5, to five. Dominic Green, you know, with with the space jams on, off the bench. Off the bench, he started he knocked down three three-pointers over those last 5 minutes that really got Washington in the game. It was David Chris who started, but it was Dominic Green who carried it. That hot shooting carried into the second half as Washington outscored Cal 42 to 24 and what turned in, what was a close game turned into an absolute blowout. Matisse Steibel, who has a very strong chance of repeating as defensive player of the year and his zone defense absolutely destroyed Cal. Cal shot 30.5% from the field and one of 15 from deep. Bible had two steals and five blocks in addition to 13 points, four rebounds, and three assists. Uh, on the Cal side, Paris Austin had 12 points, seven rebounds, and three assists, and as well as a career-high five steals. And Andre Kelly, first solid game in a while, 14 points and four rebounds off the bench. This was the first time Kelly had scored double figures since San Jose State. Ooh. I remember those days. The non-conference days. Better days. An 88-80 win over San Jose State. Uh, (laughs) The writing was on the wall. Yeah, we should have seen it coming, to be honest. But the... Sort of the moment of the game happened late in the fourth quarter. Now, I don't understand the reason as to why the Washington crowd was chanting
1: airball at Matt Bradley. Now... Matt Bradley didn't have the greatest of games. Well, Cal, we, we like you said we were one of fifteen. That's six percent, guys, from three. So they could feel it coming. And Matt Bradley specifically, probably easily his worst
0: game as a freshman. He shot over ten from the field, and Yikes. for whatever reason, the Washington crowd had to do this. Whenever he late in the game, whenever he had the ball, they started just chanting "air ball." air ball and I'm watching this game and I'm thinking okay they're just they're picking on the kid they're picking on a freshman and then with about four minutes left guess what Matt Bradley does air ball he shoots an air ball it was a there was about four minutes left in this ball game <laughs> they, they might as well have called it right right there it, it was not a fun weekend up in the Pacific Northwest only scoring I believe the what they barely mustered more than like 110 points total Yeah. in those two games, even if they've reached the 110 mark. Uh, also a note of that game, Roman Davis made his first career start in 18 yeah, minutes. Weird lineup. He had five points on one of six shooting, as well as five rebounds. A very a strange lineup indeed.
1: Yeah, it was Roman Davis suing Austin McNeil and Bradley starting with Kelly off the bench, Antisevich off the bench, Vanover off the bench.
0: Also worth noting in that game Connor Vanover only played 3 minutes which was season low uh, I have some thoughts on that that we'll get to mm-hmm. in a second I think it's in, going back to Roman Davis real quick the the first thought that I had when I saw the lineup pop up on the screen for uh, like the Pac-12 network it's like I think he was the last player so I'm like going down this list I'm like okay Paris Justice the usual suspects and then I saw Roman I was I had the same feeling of when UC, uh, during the UCLA game. Yeah, because this had happened once before. Because it was that very strange lineup when it was, I think off top, it was Jacoby, Connor. Yeah, the freshman. Grant, Matt. Yep. I know Andre wasn't in that starting lineup. There's one more player in there. I think Juwan might have started. It was year. Juwan. Yeah. Definitely, that starting five was definitely a stranger unit than you know throwing Roman Davis in there. But... Definitely a very undersized, especially when you're dealing with someone like Washington's Noah Dickerson, who
1: was more of a, a traditional big man. Yeah, and playing his own defense, you got a guy who's shooting 28% from the field, around there. It's not, not the greatest thing. Um, shout out your boy though, David Serge. Oh yeah, so <laughs> out here. So lost in
0: the the Washington State game in the very final minute of that game. Uh, David Serge, who I've known since my freshman year, we met. I remember, I remember the night how we met very precisely. It was, you know, it was a very freshman thing of me to do. Mm. I went downstairs to the lounge, of the Unit Two Griffiths Lounge, and you know, I'm a freshman. You know, I barely know anybody here. I'm trying to make friends, and I walk in the lounge and I see like five guys playing pool, and I don't know these guys at all, and so I'm just like know a little camaraderie you know chopping it up a little bit and in my head i see i see a tv in the middle of this lounge and i'm thinking this is an hd tv i have my ps4 upstairs so hey. as i as i'm playing pool with uh, my boy Nahome, i think it was either Nahome or ibrahim but we were playing pool and i said something to the to the extent of i'll scrape you in 2k right now
1: uh oh, i think i was fighting words.
0: I forgot if I was, I might have been the Hawks. I might have been the Pelicans. I had a big lead late. I think it was like 10 points with three minutes left. I blew the lead. Uh, Uh, I did not scrape him in 2K. But that was the night I met David Serge, who is now a walk-on on on Cal. he was, prior to this, he was a team manager for two years. Nails his, nailed three-pointer in the corner in the final minute of that game. First career points. Aside from the fact that he, he is one of my friends, that's a very. It's a big deal. It's a very feel-good story. Yeah. Definitely there. One of the one of the lone silver linings. Yeah. What's his shooting percentage now? Uh, we, we're talking effective, true shooting. Yeah. Just give, give all those nice stats for him. What are you saying? it's like 150. Oh, yeah. His, his PER currently stands at 111. His, My God. His true shooting currently stands at 150%. Truly off-the-chart stuff. So, this man is a G-code. <laughs> Put him in, y So lone one of the lone silver linings one of the lone you know sort of feel moments of that like who's our player of the week honestly I think I'd give it to Paris just on account of the five the career high five steals not exactly the best week in terms of scoring or distributing scored on a lot yeah but I think you do gotta give it up to you know the career high five steals especially against a defensive team like Washington you know a little bit of your own medicine there but Washington isn't the game of discussion as we both know it is the game against Washington State I have a lot of thoughts on this you have a lot of thoughts on this Mm -hmm. I've been talking a lot about the recap so (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to you so what are your what are your sort of Um, first
1: impressions step back impressions like what this is a game between the two worst teams. Uh, people on Reddit were calling it the Trash Bowl, I think. Oh, or no. The Flaming Garbage Bowl. Really, really? To give you a sense of how bad this game was going to be. And we just got outworked. They looked like they had more talent than us. They <laughs> outcoached us. Everything, every box you could check against Cal was checked by Washington State and I think this has got to be one of like I said earlier one of the lowest moments in program history to get blown out in Washington State in front of about ten people (laughs) I (laughs) there was no one there like come on now oh my god and to just wow it was it was the worst one of the worst performances I've seen in this season it might be the worst um would you consider this the worst
0: of the Wiking Jones era over the past two seasons? Cause there's been a lot of
1: very what, forgettable games. What was the mixed one? In. Alabama. Where was it we will there was like some crazy team we lost to that was super they were like D two even maybe or Oh Shamanade at the Maui Jim Maui Invitational? Was that it? Or are you talking about Central Arkansas? Central right? Arkansas. I think that's gotta be the lowest moment, honestly. Right? You think this might be lower? Well, if I remember right, Central,
0: I remember, I think I was writing the preview for the Central Arkansas game, and I do remember there being someone on that team who had been in the discussion to potentially get drafted. I don't remember if he ended up, I'm pretty sure he didn't end up getting drafted, but as I was writing that preview, I remember someone on Central Arkansas was giving UCLA buckets, and so I saw that and I was thinking, you know, this guy might give Cal some trouble, and if I remember right, he did give Cal some trouble. Still though, Arkansas. I think Shaminad. Yeah. Ch- you definitely like might say Shaminad? Be right. Because that's a Division Two team. That's a le- that's they're D two. That's a legitimate
1: Division Two basketball. Team. Wow, that's gotta be the lowest then. I mean, I don't want to insult Washington State too much. Like they got players, right? They got Franks, they got um Ellaby, they got. I mean Skaggs didn't play well, but he's he's alright, Pollard. Carter Quick. um, Skaggs,
0: quickest trigger in the in the West. Yeah.
1: Quickest gun in the West. I mean, Washington State, I mean, get it to him, they played really well, but that's a game where you have to show up. You have to show some kind of fight. You have to show some kind of improvement against the second worst team in the Pac twelve. And to get our you said our biggest loss, right? Biggest loss by margin, 23 points. Yeah, that's our biggest loss of the season to the second-worst team in the conference. Um, I actually thought that's a moment where you almost think, like, wow, I don't know if the coach is going to get fired on the runway here, like Lane Kiffin. Oh, no. Because that's how low it was. That's how bad it is to—I mean, that's an inexcusable loss, in my opinion. I remember when,
0: before the season started, and I was, you know, I did my 12, Pac-12 previews. I sort of went through every team, Mm -hmm. tried to see what every team had. And the first team that I did was Washington State. And I remember when I was looking at that roster, it wasn't just who they had that was coming back. It was also the fact that there was like four or five people that transferred. The one that stands out is Malachi Flynn. I think he was... Remember that game last year where Cal lost on that? It wasn't a buzzer beater in, like, the traditional sense, but Washington State, like, five seconds left. They sprint up the floor, hit, like, a layup with, like, two seconds left. Yeah, it's pretty much over. Malachi Flynn was a very big part of that game. So he had gone four other players, or a couple other players at least, had transferred. Mm -hmm. I assume it was because of the futility of Washington State You know, Ernie Kent, I was reading a lot of sort of the, you know, the SB Nation fan sites trying to get a lay of the land. Anytime I saw Ernie Kent in the conversation, you know, the fact that he had been bad as a coach during his tenure there and whether or not he was going to be fired was always a topic of conversation. And so what you had with Washington State heading into the season, you had someone who was unproven in LB, their only recruit of like note in terms of like stars he was a three star recruit coming out of I believe Seattle I believe Cleveland High School Mm. in Washington and then what you also had was you had Washington State that had this was a team that was going to have to and has proven to have to rely on junior college players players fresh off the juco scene Isaiah Wade, Gervay Robinson, Marvin Cannon, Ahmed Ali. These were four, four rotation players, and this isn't a knock against them. These have been solid rotation players for Washington State, but you got these guys playing big minutes straight from the JUCO scene, and I can only imagine that if these guys came to any other team besides Washington State and Cal, they're probably reserves, if not bench warmers. At least first season mm-hmm. coming out of the JUCO scene. And then the JUCO players aside, you also have Vontae Daniels, Jeff Pollard, the aforementioned Carter Skaggs. Again, these are very solid players. Especially, I'm a big fan of Carter Skaggs. Me as too. He's not as good as uh, Washington State alum alumnus Clay Thompson in terms of shooting, but. <laughs> Whoa. I think the next time I watch him play, I'm gonna keep a stopwatch on me because I don't think I've ever it's seen. A quick trigger. This is, I think, this is arguably the quickest trigger that I've ever seen in terms of a shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even including professional players, like you yeah. can, you can line them up like Curry, Clay, Durant, mm-hmm. Petrovic, Bird, Stojakovic,
1: <laughs> Stags. <laughs> Stags.
0: <laughs> this is this that is sounds part, hilarious. Part part parody, but also, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous how quick he shoots,
1: no, and he's effective
0: is. too, and he's it not. Is. He is not scared at all. I remember I was watching their game against Seattle Live. I don't think I've seen, like, a quicker trigger from, like, 30 feet out. Yeah, he's crazy. So this is a team, a lot of solid role players, but then the combination of losing out on a bunch of key players, of having to bring in Juco players, of having only one recruit, of a, of having to rely on, you know, it's it's one of those instances where it's like, if this guy's if... This guy who played five minutes can, like, play 20 minutes and average this amount of points. It was a lot of that going on. And for Cal to be worse, both on the floor that night and throughout the entire season, and to get smashed by 23 points to that team. This was a team, you know, Jacoby Gordon, before he went down with that injury, he was a four-star. Matt Bradley is a four-star. Andre Kelly, a three-star, but early on he didn't play like one. Connor Vanover, a three-star. This is... And then you also include Suing and McNeil and Harris Dyson and Austin and everybody else in the mix. You just look at that from like a straight talent-to-talent standpoint and... They should be better. It feels like it should have been a win, if not at least competitive, you know, on the road. And I, you know, I understand the home court advantage. I understand Cal did have to travel
1: what home court to- advantage there was no one there there was no one there according to the
0: official box score there was 2,130 people there it was I, I'm not sure that. if this is an at and oh excuse me Oracle Park situation uh, where they juice the numbers a little bit yeah where they instead of actually including who went through those turnstiles who actually bought the tickets so I'm not sure if there was actually 2,130 people there but it seems like every, like,
1: cutaway shot, there was just no one in the stands. There was no one there. Um, so... I don't even... Was Y-King there? I think he was gone in certain cuts. I didn't see him. I think he might have been out auditioning for roles for more... <laughs> more extra roles in uh, Benchwarmers 5, I think. I don't know. So, that's a reference. He, he's... Look it up, guys. You can Google this. Y-King has an IMDB. This man has acted... I'm not making this up. Very minor roles, but active nonetheless. Yeah, he's a thespian. He's, uh, he, he has other interests besides basketball, which is very obvious at this point in time. <laughs> so, But like, to your point, though, to not keep it competitive against this team, that's a moment where you have to say, there is something fundamentally wrong with this team. This team has either given up on the coach... Where the coach has given up trying to make significant changes with his team. And when, when we were preparing for this podcast, you mentioned the, the tough love article that was written by Rusty Simmons. Yeah. At the Chronicle. Um, yeah, I mean, that's his approach right now is he's uh, going with the tough love. And I that, this is kind of a recurring pattern with Wiking. I don't know if you've noticed this. He talks a lot about attitude and identity And kind of these, like, emotional things that you can't really quantify. I don't hear a lot about strategy or tactics. And I think that's where we're getting washed by these other teams is we're just, like, outmaneuvered on the floor all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Identity, effort, love for your teammates, all those things matter if a team's going to win. But you also have to be coached up. And people need to know their roles. And clearly they don't. And it's hard to know if we have any real strategy when we're out there playing. There was a... Uh,
0: we were looking over the Washington State Cal highlights just to, as a refresher before recording this podcast. Guess. And there was one player in particular that kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of blew our minds in terms of just overall confusion. To be fair, we don't have total context. Yeah, like this was spliced. Yeah, to, to be fair, we we weren't able to see the 5 seconds that happened before <laughs> this play. Um, yeah. side note, I I do wish that one the extended highlights were a little longer and they I wish the extended highlight I would be fine with the extended highlights being 4 minutes, 5 minutes if they stretched out these plays a little yeah, longer so I can see what happens. Yeah. But also I would uh, anyone from Pac-12, if you're listening, I would appreciate a, a full game
1: replays. Please, full game replay. Take zone. some Larry Scott salary. Send it that way. <laughs> yeah.
0: But they need all that money. There was a play in particular that caught both of our attention, not for any good reasons. I, I'm going to let you sort of take the narrate this. Take the driver. Uh, take the wow. The keys to the car on this one.
1: So this, it's 22-19 with 10 minutes to go in the first half. Okay, we're, it's still a ball game here. It's one possession game, and <laughs> the best way to describe this, is this Austin right here at the top of the key, or is that McNeil? I can't even tell. It's Yeah, it's kind of a – I think that's Austin. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Austin's right here. Yeah, I believe I that's, that's McNeil. This might be
0: Jacoby Gordon, actually. Wait, no, that – No. I think we need to run this play. Yeah, we need to run this. We're going to pause it real quick, and then we're going to run through this play in real time. <laughs> Okay, so we've looked at the play. Uh, it's hard to gauge who's who when, A, it's a still shot yeah. and the numbers are blurry and someone's number is entirely covered. But we just ran through that play one more time. Would you, I have the still still here. Uh, would you like to sort of describe – and we're going to put this in sort of a show notes. Like we're going to
1: – we'll cut this. We'll link this up for you guys. But would you sort of like to just – So dis- we have Juwan in – the best way I can describe this, honestly, guys – is Naruto run for him. I don't know <laughs> what he's doing here. Um, he looks like he might be trying to scare the ball handler. I'm not sure. He's at least trying to get in front of Anyways, him. Anyways, so we have Bradley getting posted up by Wazoo's big man. That's already a mismatch down there. So that's already a negative here.
0: Carter Skaggs. Harris right Dyson, there.
1: who is turning into Naruto, has been beaten on the play. Okay. And uh, I think that's Gordon. He's guarding his man on the wing. Gordon's guarding Scat. That's the one on the right wing. One good thing here. Me, let me tell you, this is in front of Cal's bench. Okay, Viking is yelling at his team. They should know <laughs> where they're supposed to be. Also, before we proceed any further,
0: yeah. let's count jerseys. One, two, three, four, five. Yellow jerseys. Yeah. that's Cal. One, two, three, four. We count—this is a
1: four-on-five situation. We have the advantage. Theoretically. Theoretically. But Cal is finding ways to break the game of basketball in new (laughs) revolutionary ways. Uh, Okay, we're bearing the lead here. Yeah. The biggest thing in this still, (laughs) Roman Davis and Paris Austin— They're playing leapfrog in the corner here. (laughs) They are literally—they have their head Turned. From the ball. They're not even looking at the ball. Their man <laughs> is on the wing, wide open. And there's also an open lane. So this man, yo, he, he has his uh, he has his teammate on the wing, or he can take it in for a layup. And I believe he, he takes it in for a layup. And PA and Roman Davis are playing leapfrog in the corner, not even looking at the ball. It was... This this, place... this is how you become one of the worst defenses in the history of the Pac-12, and one of the worst in the country currently. So, a lot of what we were
0: just saying in terms of that play, uh, it'll make a lot more sense when we actually pull up
1: the play itself, and you Well, guys, have you ever seen a car crash? Imagine a car crash. That's what it looked like. Even without the context
0: of what happened in that play, it's still a very just odd sighting. At just... Everything that went on in that play, and I think it's just a
1: very... I mean, we were laughing for like five minutes straight. It's
0: very representative of the Cal defense up to this point in the season. And you brought up earlier today, or earlier when we met up to sort of go over logistics of this podcast, how we should have um, a a quote-unquote crazy stat of the week... And before you even... I don't even know if you had even suggested it yet. No. I had one for you. Now, this stat, as of recording time, it's 10.07 uh, Pacific time at p- p.m. on January 20th. It may not be accurate tomorrow. It may shift. But of the 353 Division One teams in college basketball, Cal currently ranks... 352nd in defensive rating.
1: Wow. And that's actually kind of impressive to be that bad. It really depends to on... To be that poor on the defensive end. You have to try to be that bad. It kind of...
0: So it really depends on what metric you use. Defensive rating is in a... You know, they don't really take into account who's playing who. Mm-hmm. So I think if you go into defensive efficiency, they're more like 330 range. But even at, even that, it's
1: not... We sound not, like we're defending them in court. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find one good thing. We're defending them for the... Ah! Mm-hmm. Hey, I did mock trial
0: for three years. There you go. It's, it's no coincidence that my name is Justice. Hey. Actually, <laughs> this, is a, this is a dumb joke I like to tell people, but when I was... So I was kind of at a... Before deciding to do like, pursue sports journalism, uh, one of my things was I was either going to become a lawyer or do sports journalism. And if I was to become a lawyer, the route that I would want to take is become a Supreme Court justice. So my title would be Justice, Justice De Los Santos. Woo! Side note, but nothing to do with what we're talking about in terms that of basketball. That would have been fire, though. That would have been fire. It would have. I think I would have just... They would have given you the job, no problem. They still would have figured out a way to spell my name wrong.
1: <laughs> oh, that's for damn sure.
0: Every, every time I go to a, another arena, I always keep track of how they spell my name. Some people... Because my name is Delos Santos, and when people see the Delos part, they like to break it up. Mm-hmm. Because they've taken a Spanish class. Yeah. And uh, I'm not uh, Spanish. Or Hispanic. I'm Filipino. Mm-hmm. So they they either break it up or they'll capitalize the D when it's a lowercase D. Yeah, they get D. creative with it. Uh, it's, with some accent marks there. Sometimes they just... Forget the Delos altogether, and they just call me Justice Santos. Santos,
1: like, <laughs> okay. we don't need that part. We're we're getting off track here, but just like Cal's defense <laughs> in the corner, getting lost, not looking at the ball. You guys got to see this possession. This is we'll we'll throw this possession nutty on there. It's nuts. But
0: the Washington State loss has has forced our hand. It has forced us to re-examine the question. Does this team go winless in conference? Now before we, we get into it, I want to note this now, because I, ver- I, no- I remember the last podcast. I noted it pretty late in the game. When conference play started, Cal had a, about a according to Ken Palma, .2 0 or 0.2 chance of going winless. You know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After the, when we were recording the last podcast. That number had been up, been bumped up 1.2. And, you know, makes sense. Loses a five straight. You know, it might go up a little bit. As we are recording this podcast, Cal's chance of going winless in conference is up to 4.7. And... Not insignificant. And these... The two games that are coming up this week are probably the two most important yes. of the entire season, Yes. Colorado and Utah. There's also a Washington State game at home, which is their second-to-last regular season game of the season. But in terms of this moment in time, right now, in terms of being able to to salvage something from the season... Colorado and Utah. You're writing the Colorado preview. I am so. writing the Colorado preview.
1: So what's what's the little scouting report on? They don't Colorado. have McKinley, right? Um, they've lost like six of their last eight, I believe. Don't hold me to that number, but somewhere around there. They've, they've been losing a lot of games. They're one and four in conference. So, and they have a few other injured guys. They have a lot of uh, junior college players in the rotation now. Some guys who didn't expect to have as big a role as they're having right now. Because of injuries, they've been thrown in there. So, Colorado is definitely beatable in theory. In theory. But with this cow team to get smacked by Washington State in front of eight people. The number's just gonna keep going down. Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> Only the players were there. <laughs> uh, the refs left too. Um, they were like, yo, if you're not bleeding, it's not a foul. Um, I Colorado should be a winnable game. Utah, possibly a winnable game. Col- Utah beat Colorado. So if we lose to Colorado, the chances of us beating Utah are uh, not great. What was that that thing we said? It was
0: Colorado beat Washington State by like 30. And then mm. Washington State beat Colorado. Therefore, Washington State beat Cal. We should lose
1: by 52, right? Isn't that the number we got to? Yeah, because that's how math works. Yeah, you that's guys what? were... This is science. You can't argue with it. Yeah, because we're both we're both STEM majors. Let's yeah uh, totally. That's that's totally not a lie. Take us. Hey, t- there's science way. in my major, political science. There we go. So that's part of the name of my game. But honestly, I don't think we win. I think it's highly likely that we lose to Colorado and Utah. And once that happens. You have to start really considering the possibility that we don't win a game in conference now. The Pac twelve, as we've been saying all year, is hot garbage. You can always upset a team, but no one should be putting their money on Cal because they've proven absolutely nothing this whole this whole season. So I think it is worth noting
0: that you know Colorado did play today. Colorado and Utah both did play today. It's that. You know how like there's the the L.A. schools, the Bay Area schools. That's the a Oregon's. rivalry game, right? Yeah, that's like their conference rivalry. It's a very weird geographical fit, but you know Utah's got the Utah's got BYU, the Holy War. Colorado's got Colorado State. Neither of those two well, teams are in the Pac-12 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Utah did beat Colorado today, but it was only well only. It was 78 69, and it's worth noting that Colorado didn't have McKinley Wright for that game. Mm-hmm. McKinley Wright's playing that game, probably a little bit of a different story. But my biggest thing with Colorado is that even if McKinley Wright isn't playing in that game, you've still got to worry about Tyler Bay. You've still got to worry about Lucas Seward. You've still got to worry about Shane Gatling, who's been playing excellent as
1: of late. Yeah, he's been great. And I'm an for uh, McKinley.
0: And Tyler Bay is he's very much cut from the mold of more traditional big man and as as well documented Cal does not do a fantastic job No of guarding That's
1: an understatement. Traditional big man. And Deshaun Schwartz he's been coming on of late. They were that was a, he was actually a higher rated guy coming out of high school than McKinley. So he has a lot of potential and he's been playing better. And something of note as as well is that
0: Colorado actually has uh, to my surprise, one of the you know, one of the better defenses in the country. Their defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, is currently at seventy out of three hundred and fifty-three schools in. The, so in Pac-12, that must be pretty good. Yeah, it's, they've been you know, Colorado is one of those teams where, you know, they're going to be this this year this year's you know middle of the road team, especially if. You know, their stars aren't playing enough to snuff. They don't have the greatest depth in the world. But you can't either discount Bay or Seward or Gatling or Schwartz. Those are guys, like, even without McKinley Wright, they could beat Cal, especially considering what we just
1: saw out of Washington State. I mean, I feel like if you're a Cal fan, you have to go into every game expecting the worst. Because that's all we've been getting from the team. Um, so we should all be expecting a loss to Colorado now do we have a chance yes Colorado is not with all that we were gassing up with I mean they are one and four in conference so that being yeah, they're said they're beatable but <laughs> uh, I'm not confident at all
0: that being, Cal can pull it off that being said Cal is a 0-6 in conference yeah losers uh, of seven straight yep I think it was also worth noting, you brought up the injury problems. I was also, when I did the power rankings for last week, I remember there was also another, who was it? I'm trying to, yeah, Namon Wright, his health was still up in the air. And Is that how you say it? Is it not Naaman? Naaman. Is it Nimone? I think that you could do the pronounced either way. Or I don't, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Namon no, no sounds better. I'm, I'm sort of guessing how that's pronounced.
1: And I liked then, it though, Naaman Wright, like he's Naaman Wright. And then, who was it? I think, was it... Someone was
0: academically ineligible as well. Mm, yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was name and right, too. Yeah, no, there was someone. Uh, so I just pulled up who it was. It was Evan Batty. So
1: mm.
0: Evan Batty's academically ineligible. Wright's injured. There's two... Both rights are actually injured. I, I, was like, I was thinking, like, wait, why does that sound well, so mm. weird to say? Well, no, for the year. So... Out of all of the, the non, I would say the non-Washington State teams, Colorado, if, if there's a team that Cal has the, a chance to beat, Colorado's probably at one of its lower points of yep. the season. They're wounded right now. And then the other game of, what what do we even call this region? Because it's like the L.A.s, the Bay Area teams, the Washingtons, the Oregon, uh, The Rockies. Is that? Rocky Mountain region.
1: The Midwest? Is that right? No. No, they're definitely not Midwest. Anyway, they're great. in the Mountain Time Zone, so. The Mountain Time Zone teams. The Mountain Time Zone. The they're, MTZ. They're somehow not in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, well, they're too big. They got too big time, man. They had to join a conference of champions. You know, but <laughs> well, then on the, uh, so, looking forward a bit to Utah, I've followed Utah around
0: a little bit for you know as a result of me doing the the Pac-12 Power Rankings. Someone that's really surprised me is, you know, I always have to name drop the Filipinos. Yeah, shout out your boy Cedric Bearfield. Never met him in my life, but but hey, <laughs> just for no, the culture, we're not represented very well. Aside from Manny Pacquiao yesterday, Damn. we're not Filipinos aren't represented very well in in major yeah uh, sports. But he's been he's been sort of having a renaissance as of late. He's, you know, I think it's a. I don't think it would be accurate to throw him in the player of the year conversation, but he's definitely been balling out as of late. Twenty point games here and there. And they also have one of my the more intriguing young cores for me in the entire Pac-Twelve. You know, you see a lot of teams like UCLA and USC and Arizona to an extent that have a lot of the, you know, one and duns and have sort of taken on like the one and done mold that's sort of taken college basketball by storm. But I'm intrigued by Utah, because they have Donnie Tillman, Timmy Allen, both Gatch, and Riley Batten, who are all underclassmen, and I'm always infatuated with, you know, those four-year... three-year, three four-year three four year college players, so they have something brewing Robert. out there. They yeah. got something brewing. And I think Timmy Allen's coming off of, like, a 20-point game, something, or a really impressive game against uh, Colorado. And he's a freshman, right? Yeah, Allen, yeah. Gatch, and Batten are all freshmen, and they're all... So Allen's averaging just a shade under... Well, he's now probably averaging 10. Uh, Gatch is averaging 8, and Batten's averaging 7. And, you know, these are freshmen. It's kind of like a little... You know, you see this team, and it kind If you squint hard enough, it kind of reminds you of last year's Cal team from a, a roster construction. Well, not necessarily roster construction, more of just a, a class construction. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be the appropriate way to put it. So, but, again, at Utah, another another number that just really surprised me was their offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, is 35th in the entire country.
1: That's approaching nationally ranked teams' territory. Well, it's and good we're such a good defensive team. We're really going to clamp down on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lerikostovic
0: has been known for... You know, creating these defensive stalwarts, but this season it's been the offense that's sort of been carrying Utah for the entire season, and it's always fun to see how coaches adjust to a a change in personnel and sort of yeah what that can mean for. It's crazy to
1: see a coach adjust. It's just it's a treat to see <laughs> adaptation. So, in terms of Utah again,
0: just to just to bring it back, I don't see that necessarily that a as a game, game. That's, that's a game that's winnable. Uh, Tough game. Ken Palm, you know, the wonderful site that is Ken Palm. Shout out. Does not project Cal to win either of those games. They actually give Colorado a lower ch- No, they give Colorado a higher chance of winning, as strange as that, that may be based on how we've talked about them. But Ken Palm has Colorado beating Cal 78-71 to 71 with a 26% confidence rating. Percentage Mm. and then Utah 78 74 with 36% confidence rating. So, wow, not favored. Ken Palm is much more optimistic than we are. It was actually, I think I posted this earlier in the week. There was a there because I was, I think I was looking at Cal's Ken Palm page at least like once a day just to see it, like check up on everything. Mm. And there was a point in the week, it's not accurate as of right now as I'm saying this, but there was a point in this week when Cal was favored, well, favored isn't the right word, but Cal was projected to lose every single game here on out. That's Colorado, Utah, Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, Washington State, and Stanford. All of them. Lose all of them. Lose all of them. And it's also noting that at, you know, I say 4.7 chance of winless, it was 4.8 at one point, so... Wow. So, the Washington State game is currently—they're currently favored now. The one that's at home—that's the second-to-last game of the season. Uh, They're projecting an eighty-to-seventy-nine win, with a uh, fifty-one percent, you know, confidence percentage. And you know that winless—the chance of a winless record has gone down from four point eight to four point seven. So,
1: improvement, marginal. But improvement. I think the biggest thing is if they don't beat Colorado which they probably won't and they probably won't beat Utah if they don't beat either of those teams then we really start getting in a danger zone of this team going winless in conference because after that after after the
0: Colorado Utah game that's when they hit the gauntlet. Exactly so here's Cal's schedule after the Colorado and Utah this upcoming week Rival, rivalry weekend against Stanford. Mm-hmm. Oregon on the road and Oregon State on the road, two Tier A games. UCLA and USC at home. They
1: are, we, they've already beaten us.
0: Arizona and Arizona State on the road, again. They've, they've a, already beaten us. A pair of <laughs> Tier A games. Washington and Washington State at home.
1: Already beat us.
0: And then Stanford on the road, a Tier B game. So, to f- to finish off the season, of the remaining games of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 remaining games, Cal has four Tier A games and two Tier B games. And I think Ken Palm takes into account home court advantage, but as we saw in the uh, Arizona game with the U of A chance... Sometimes we're on the road in our own stadium. I think someone said that Cal fans are very fair weather, and I... You know, as someone that goes to this school, it's a, it's a little bit of a knock.
1: But... I mean, to be fair, why would anyone support this team right now? The only people who are going to come out to the games are the alumni who happen to live in the Bay Area now. Or they're just traveling because they want to see the beautiful Bay Area. Um, but yeah, that is... I mean, when you hear that, are you confident that we can eke out a win. I mean, we're going to have to rely on either an upset or taking out our rival, Stanford, or Washington State in poop bowl number two. (laughs) Um, I don't know how you can feel. I don't know. People were talking about this Washington State game, second last, like, oh, well, we're going to win that game. We just lost by 23 in front of six people. How how can anyone be confident we're gonna win that game after they absolutely dominated us? It's because they were they were on the road. That's it's yeah, because they, they were on the, on the road. No, no. So if we don't beat Colorado or Utah, which again we probably will not, um, I think we gotta consider these uh, worst case scenarios because <laughs> it does not look good, guys.
0: It does not look good. Yeah, just as someone that's kept a very close eye on the Pac-12 this entire season, and someone who, like, you know, whenever I'm doing these power rankings, I'm always having, like, the player of the week and who they play, and I do, like, a very deep dive into, like, how they played and how the games went. And so, like, now when I see these teams, I'm not just seeing, like, a name. I'm seeing, like, the context of their entire season.
1: And I look at every single one of these teams, and I think... I just don't see a winnable game. Well, USC, UCLA, they're going to dominate us in the paint. Arizona, just flat out more talented, going to dominate us in the paint. Arizona State, flat out more talented. Washington, we just can't score on that zone. Washington State, Robert Franks, um, I think he adopted half our team. He he is our daddy. Um, Stanford, they've got some players, man. I mean... They haven't been... They've been a little uneven this season, but, I mean, I like their team, so... I know that Casey Alpala is yeah. more likely than not going to be a lottery
0: pick. Part of me really wishes he would stay the full four years just to see what that chord would like Get your money, kid! With DeJon Davis. Get your money, kid! Cormac Ryan and Oscar Da Silva, but he's definitely destined for the league. He's probably going to... As, as weird as this sounds, he might... You know, Bull Bull still is in this conversation, but he might just end up getting drafted higher than Bull Bull and be the highest. Well, oh, yeah.
1: Well, with Bull, Bull he's got the foot injury. I don't know He's touching that, to be honest. that's. Uh, I mean, I guess, didn't Embiid have a foot injury going into the draft? I believe that was, yeah, that was what was the, yeah. the major thing. I mean, thing. maybe someone takes a flyer. Dejon Davis, he's been great. Yeah, I, I just look at this. Silva. I look at every
0: team... That counts to play, and I'm either thinking they have a cohesive unit or they have just one or two players that can flat out dominate. And this was a when I was writing the notes for this podcast, I thought of none other than the Golden State
1: Warriors. Now, wait, what? Now you might be you might be thinking which Golden State Warriors? The ones that didn't make the playoffs for 14 straight seasons? I'm thinking of the three titles
0: in four of oh! Golden State Warriors. Now, I'm, I'm taking off the glasses for yo. this one. Yo, yo. I got to... Hold me back! I got to clarify. So, it seems that every time the Warriors are in a tough game, Bob Fitzgerald always references the fact that... Shout out, Fitz the opposing team is going to give the Warriors their best because that's the champ. That's the, the cream of the crop. You know, mm-hmm. the cream always rises to the top. That's yeah. the team to beat in the NBA. Even if it's game 53, even if it's January, playing the Warriors is always... It always has some implications because winning carries a certain amount of weight to it. Now, what I'm not saying is that Cal is on the same level as the Warriors. Like, I'm not saying that by any means, but what I am saying...
1: I is hope that you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you had to qualify that, as if anyone was mistaken. <laughs> you guys, we're, we're not saying Steph Curry couldn't check Barry Stosser. Okay. <laughs> but,
0: what I am saying, this is what I, what I sort of hypothesize, is that Cal is going to evoke that same level of... When we're playing this team, um, this is from the opponent's perspective. When we're playing this Cal team, we need to win. Not because they're the best team in the conference, because they aren't, but because they're the worst team. This team is currently 0-6 in conference. Losers of seven straight games could arguably, well, not even arguably at this point, they could end up being the worst team by winning percentage in program history, of especially since joining the Pac-10, Pac-12, however you yeah, want to qualify. So what I am saying is when a team either comes to town or when Cal strolls into town, they know that context. And a loss to Cal, <laughs> especially to a Washington, to an Arizona, to an Oregon, to an Oregon State, to a UCLA, to a USC, for those teams that are trying to get to the tournament, because only one team can go to the tournament, for those teams that are on that bubble, even, even the
1: Colorados and Utahs and the Washington States. Nobody wants to lose to the worst team. Nobody wants to lose to the weakest. Nobody wants to be the one team
0: that loses to Cal. And because of that, I think there might just be that extra incentive to you to have that feeling like we need to come out. We can't have this be the loss that burdens us the entire season. You don't want to get
1: roasted for the rest of the year for
0: losing the cow. Not. I, <laughs> it's hard to say what I'm saying without coming off as just very, <laughs> just very it mean. It makes sense term. But. It feels... There's sort of a feeling that in terms of, like, implications for the rest of the year... Someone could get fired for that, for losing to Cal. Well, Steve Alford already did get fired. We didn't... Cal didn't get a chance to be the team that fired Steve Alford. (laughs) Dang (laughs) it. If only only we could have done that. But it's just that there's this feeling that, you know... Well, if if we're calling... If the comparison here is the Warriors, let's call them the anti-Warriors. In that it's... They're just such the polar opposite... That it's like this isn't just a this isn't a middle of the pack team. Like this isn't just like I'm losing to the sixth best team or the sixth, well sixth worst. This is the when same you thing. lose to the current
1: Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, when you lose to a tanking team. Are we tanking for Zion? By the way, is that <laughs> what's going on here, guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we're tanking for RJ. I don't know. It's a little. We don't know.
0: You know, I, I'm no expert of the CBA and draft rules, but uh. I, I hate to tell you this, Rory. I don't. I don't think that's possible. Wait. Wait. What? We just suck. They gotta. They gotta recruit, Rory. Uh, uh, they gotta get their their own players. Uh,
1: <laughs> There's no tanking in college
0: basketball, unfortunately. There's no trades either, or free agency. Could you imagine? Well, I guess transfers, but. That would be amazing. Speaking of transfers, though, can, I need to acknowledge that. The Pac-12 just had its third in-season transfer when Emmanuel Acott of Arizona uh, announced his intent to leave the program. He joins Jordan Usher. Acott's transferring? Acott's transferring. To where? He just said he's going to transfer. And he said he's just just going to transfer. So he joins wow. Jordan, Jordan Usher of USC and Vontae Hendricks, which, side note, dope name. Yeah, that's a amazing Utah. name. I think Utah could use a Vontae Hendricks right now. Yeah. In all honesty, damn, Akats transfer.
1: He was starting. He was starting. I, I get just, it. I mean, he wasn't like he was definitely like the last option. Yeah, he definitely he wasn't scores. having. He wasn't having the
0: best of seasons, but no. it's still at the end of the day. We're it's still a surprise, though. It's still a body. Wow. So that's that's sort of where we are in terms
1: of Cal season that they've begun. They've this is become. This is early. Then this is just speculation, but do you expect any transfers from this year's team? It's always hard to you gauge. You don't have to name anyone, but would you be shocked? Um. Because I want to be shocked, personally. When you're on a historically bad team, I definitely wouldn't be. And the coach is going to probably leave at the end of the year. I mean, who knows, but...
0: I wouldn't be super shocked, especially just—it's more so considering that a lot of like some of the players that are on this current team. I don't believe Cal was their first option. I believe Connor. I think he Trent like his he originally intended to go to Memphis. I'll I'll fact check myself on this one. I believe he originally was intended to go to what? Memphis. But then I think there was a coaching change, and then so he decommit. Yeah, and I think Darius McNeil was originally intended to go to Iowa State, and then he decommit. I'm gonna, I gotta fact check this, but I definitely know that not every. I'm just saying. I think there might be some transfers. Well, that's what we saw with the Malachi Flynn example that I just brought up. I, I don't, I can't exactly get into, the mind of a Malachi Flynn, but you know you, you kind of put two and two together and assume that the performance had to be a part of it. Mm. And, you know, it's not exactly great for roster building or culture building when you do have players transferring, but that's, at the end of the day, that's part of the business. Especially, we saw we have Paris Austin. Paris Austin Easy is a transfer. a transfer from Boise
1: State. Yeah. So it's a, it's a two-way street. And we had guys transfer last season. Don Coleman. Oh. Out. The, the, uh... Don Coleman. as someone called him an SB Nation message board. I the, thought that was pretty great. The polarizing Don Coleman, who uh, might win one or, of Jess's favorite players of all time. <laughs> he just loves the guy. Who
0: just might might win Player of the Year in. Uh,
1: I, I honestly don't remember what conference and, he's transferring to. Oh, he, it's a, he's not playing in uh, Lithuania with the Ball Brothers.
0: Let's just say he's not playing in a Power Five conference okay. when he decides when he finally ties up his laces. Yeah. Next year, but uh, I don't, we're at the hour mark. Is there anything else we gotta gotta get
1: to in terms of this council? Yo, I just had a thought. I mean, our uniforms are garbage, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not the thought I was expecting That's not the no, way I was expecting you to go like, down. We'll probably have a longer podcast about the uniforms, about how whack Under Armour is right now with Cal. Their uniforms are terrible. The I, I mean the home uniforms, the yellow. Which I believe... Were they wearing those against Washington State? Because I guess Washington State's home uniforms are white. They're wearing them against Washington State. Yeah. That's, like, not great, but it's not terrible. But the blue ones with just the cow logo, those look like legit practice jerseys. They're terrible. I'm actually a fan of the blue ones over the yellow ones. Over the yellow ones. The yellow ones at least got, like, the yellow ones a little swag in the... I mean, I don't like the lettering, but... I'm not really... I'm not a... The blue one looks like a practice jersey, right? Kinda. I'm just like, man, this is... We're not looking good, and we're not playing good. It's the... uh, And I just want to say, like, at least we could have a nice uniform if we're going to suck, but we don't even have that right now. I've proposed,
0: you know, because you know how... You know, Oregon has the forest on their hardwood. Yeah. And then Washington has the entire, like, Seattle skyline. Mm-hmm. I've proposed to multiple people that the three point arcs for Cal, they should be safer Gate. That would be so dope. I can't think of an argument as to why they don't do it because, like, even Washington, you'll notice their, like, three point arc is, like, two different colors because of the skyline.
1: That's the thing, like, we don't even have any juice, any swag with our team. There's no jerseys hanging in the rafters. Are you kidding me?
0: Next time you go to a game, look up in the rafters. I think that it's because it's a fire hazard, but... Wow. uh, It's not a... You know, especially on recruiting trips, if you go into the gym... There's not a lot of history there. I mean, they got the Pete Newell statue. That's true.
1: They got stuff around, but... Yeah, that just hit me when they were playing Washington. Washington with the nice uniforms, the nice court... A student section that's lively. chanting airball. Channing airball. <laughs> air and then airball. And then you just look at Cal. And it's just...
0: Did you see what the... this to that. What the students and the players were doing, like, right at tip-off? No. So what they... Apparently... I don't know if this is a thing there, but... You know, like, the, the, the wacky inflatable, like, tube men? Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine, like... A legion of them like joining arms and like swaying back and forth. Wow. Like that's what they were doing. And they were doing it on the bench
1: too. And I'm thinking
0: like, damn, this is dope. Like that I, is an actual gotta, home court advantage. Yeah, when you when you go into Alaska. Yeah, Seattle fans,
1: fans are legit. I mean, we see with the Seahawks and with Washington too. Uh, before we get out of here, Rory,
0: uh, I'm not gonna forget another time. We gotta do our Canadian player of the week. Now, Yo. I need to before before we proceed. I got some I got two clerical things that I need to that I need to address um, of course There's a fellow Canadian That I haven't been acknowledging in our player of the week in our in our in our shout outs oh, That works in his very office. That's actually our boss Shaylin Singh He's from Canada. He's from Toronto. What I don't okay. I no. this, is, this is my fault. I've known this for months He's from Atlanta. He was originally from Canada.
1: Then he went. Then he moved to Georgia. Okay, but once you do that, don't you forego your Canadian? Does he still claim Canada? He definitely claims Canada. He he. Wow. Uh, this is how I. This is how I remembered. I remember
0: that Shaylin was Canadian because he was listening to the last podcast and he said, "Bro, I'm from Canada too."
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: so what? So that's the first clerical thing. Wait, he's from Toronto too. T Don't quote me on that, but he's from somewhere. In t- he's somewhere in Canada. You know, Bruno Mars had the song "Somewhere in Brooklyn." We got the song "Somewhere." Somewhere in, somewhere somewhere in, in Canada. Canada. But there's also another thing I'd like to address. You know, I was trying to look up Canadian basketball players, Canadian college basketball players, and I was thinking this is a very specific thing. There's no way I'm going to be able to track this. There is a way to track this. Oh. Northpolehoops.com have, has a <laughs> Canadian basketball stat tracker. Bookmark that. That both does like points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game leaders, and daily leaders.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. Tracking
0: Canadian basketball players has never been easier. I sound, I sound like a telemarketer, but that's the level of excited I am. Um, so... I just wanted to surprise you with that if you want to pick out a Canadian wow. player next week but I think we'll both agree with my selection okay uh, RJ Barrett well first I think we need to address uh, another Canadian in the Pac-12 who didn't have a great uh, well his team won but it wasn't a great highlight week for him uh, Lugans Dort uh, Peyton Pritchard turned this man's angles to dust my he, god he hit him with the double crossover my it was god. filthy it was disgusting he, his hand hit the floor uh, get this man a map yeah, I, I filed a
1: f- claim against that for uh, violent imagery. That was <laughs> disturbing to me. I need a trigger warning on that next time.
0: But our Canadian Player of the Week is R.J. Barrett. Not because he's the well most well-known Canadian mm-hmm. college basketball player. Not because he led his, his, his U18 team to a win over America. Not because he's probably going to be a top three pick. But because he went full Kobe full man's Kobe. Man's is going full Kobe. So, in the overtime loss to Syracuse, yes. Duke, in fact, did lose to Syracuse. We lost our minds when that happened. That was great. He had 23 points, 16 rebounds, and 9 assists. That wasn't the stat that mattered. Shots. He went 8 of 30 from the field. Woo! 4 of 17 from deep. He went full Kobe! My man's
1: 60's James Harden. And the, the credits crazy. that and it's, it's sort of... That That's in college, guys. <laughs> That's in college. And the thing that was crazier is that,
0: not that he took that many shots, but that for some reason, Duke
1: couldn't get Zion an entry pass to save their lives. He Because zone defense, it's, it's too complicated, man. <laughs> As we continually learn in college basketball, the zone defense is the ultimate <laughs> foil. I don't understand it. It's the, it's the humbler. I don't understand. Humble myself with the eyes of the yeah. That's What do you think Coach K was thinking to himself when he saw this dude just jacking up 30 shots? I mean, we don't talk about Duke in this podcast at all because everyone's trying to escape the Duke media. Can't story. escape here. <laughs> but I just want to say, it is crazy how much Duke has changed since we were kids even. when they used to be the four-year players, team ball, blah, 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 all that bullshit. Now, they got R.J. Barrett taking 30 shots, 4-17 for three. This is, this is not the Duke I remember. <laughs> this is a new Duke. I'm not sure if I like it. Are you vying? But it's great for content. It's great for content. Are you vying for the days of, of Christian Laettner and J.J. Redick? Dude, I'm vying for the days of uh, Nolan Smith. Oh, man. And John Shire. Oh, man. And uh, so many. Way back so many hateable players. I love Zion, though. We are taking for Zion. Don't forget, guys. We are getting Zion. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right? I'm sorry. I'm being informed that we cannot get a draft pick, actually. That is... Could you imagine... Never mind. Could you... Wait. Can, can we, like, hypothetically imagine this real quick? A college
0: basketball draft with 353 schools? Yeah. And thousands of prospects? I... That was a dumb thought. It's 10.46 at night. But, <laughs> but I, was, I was just thinking of, of, like... Would anyone at Cal get drafted? Is that your question? It's not. It's more so, like, ima- like at the end... Well, I'm imagining, like, this going down, how, like, the NBA draft goes down. Like, the worst teams in the country get, like, the top <sighs> picks. So, like, imagine a scenario in which, like, infinite word, Word <laughs> or, like, Central Arkansas... Or, they or get, or like Cleveland State Zion. That would be Zion. the greatest thing ever. I think I
1: need to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, I'm getting that's a little, where we're at as Cal uh, fans right now. I think I'm getting and a little... Cal reporters. A little delirious at this point. We are getting a little
0: delirious. Oh, one thing about uh, Cal that I did want to mention before we hop off here, because it reminded me when I was talking about the Zion, is against Washington State, or not Washington State, Washington, you know the the Mike Hopkins infamous zone defense. You know disciple of Jim Beheim. Uh, the you know the biggest the best way to penetrate the zone defense is to hit that soft spot, which is like the high post. Yeah. And you know it, it can be very difficult to get the ball into the high post, especially when you have Matisse Thybul and his seven foot uh, wingspan yeah, getting down tough. your throat. But you know sometimes the best way to you know get get a ball is to know. You know, this isn't just basketball. If you're playing kickball, you If you're playing, uh, what is it? Three flags up when you throw the ball. Yeah, and yeah, three you flags. Know, up. You know, sometimes the best way to get a ball is to just be tall. And in basketball, it also helps yeah, uh, to, to get the ball in the bucket if you also have a jump shot. Uh, there's two. There's a person that has both those qualifiers. His, his name is Connor Vanover. Ooh, he only. You know, I don't. I don't know if he's injured or not. Or if he had a, like, if there was something that happened but he only played three minutes against Washington. Wyking Jones did say something to the effect of he has to play defense and that's why he didn't play that many minutes. But in a game like that where Cal couldn't buy a bucket to save their lives, I think that it would have been warranted to, you know, have Paris Austin or whoever's bringing the ball just lob it up to Connor. And I saw this multiple times. Matisse Thybul with those long wingspans, I think the one that came to mind was Grant. You know, he gets the ball, he's thinking he's home free. He's like, yeah. oh, I got myself a mid-range jump shot. He just swallows that shot up like it's nobody's business and you got a fast break going the other way. Uh, I don't think Matisse Thybul is blocking Connor Vanover, especially when he gets airborne. That At that point, the shot's like 10 feet high. Yeah. And I know that Matisse Thybul has a 41-inch vertical, but, you know, two steps to get... 10, 11 feet in the air. is isn't an easy task. So, that was one of my...
1: That makes it, no sense. It's it was, one of those, like, head scratchers. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> he definitely would have helped. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, to only play three minutes, uh, it's pretty weird. His minutes have been up and down the whole year. He's definitely it's, been struggling as of late. Yeah, yeah, but, but then again, who on this Cal team
0: hasn't been struggling as of late. Yeah, honestly. I believe I, when I was researching for the podcast, I saw that I think it was like five rotation players were shooting under uh, 40% from the field oh, in yeah. conference play. Oh, yeah. Also, no, how can I forget this? Your boy Jacoby Gordon,
1: he didn't play at all I don't know if he's my in boy Washington. anymore, to be honest. Well, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of whether or not... I don't know. I might have to revoke boy status. This dude, he's become an acquaintance again. Well, Jacoby Gordon,
0: this was he's sort of... on off. It was lost in the shuffle of the Washington State and Washington game. I think he only played like three total minutes. I don't
1: even remember him now, playing. He did have an Achilles injury heading into the year, and that's one of those things that's a nagging injury. But... The times he was playing, it did not look like he was putting forth, you know, all-out effort, and he didn't always know where he was supposed to be on the floor. So that's probably the reason, or it could be a combo with the Achilles, too, but clearly um, he's kind of in the doghouse right now, I'd say. Tough love. Tough love! Shut up. (laughs) Um, We can end on that note, right?
0: I got I got one more one more one more thing. It's it'll be quick. Um, you know we're always teasing the next podcast and oh yeah we were discussing this is going to be as vague as possible. So because as I've learned with constructing headlines, you want to make them as vague as possible to get them clicks. Yeah, because te- it's technically not clickbait. We're not lying to you. Yeah, but um, you know I got a little I got a little experiment for next podcast. It's not going to be an experiment on the podcast. It's going to be a little. Some groundwork, some, some in the field. In the what will field. that be? Guess you got to tune in next time to find. <laughs> out. <laughs> Until next time, this has been Justice De Los Santos and Rory O'Toole for the One Golden Moment Podcast, episode number seven. Until next week, when we go back to school, unfortunately. Ooh. Cal Berkeley, number one public university. Shout out, Go Bears! Until next time, signing off.